Hi, my name is Kevin Kempton, and this is Light the World podcast episode number two. In this episode, we're going to do a little bit deeper dive into who we are as sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, and in the belief structure that I have as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If you've never heard of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, you can go to the church website, which is thechurchofjesuschrist.org. And right there is a ton of information, whether you are a member of our church or not. If you're somebody who wants to learn more about Christ, learn more about God, you want to learn more about Christianity, uh, the King James Version of the Bible is there, along with other scriptures that we use. And I'll talk about those in this podcast and their significance. Um, there's videos. There is General Conference, which is messages from the prophet, 12 apostles, and leaders of the church, the General Relief Society Presidency, Young Women's Organizations, and it's really wonderful talks and information about our day and time right now, things that we're dealing with day in and day out as sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father, and gives us great tools and information uh, to, to better our lives. So as we jump into this podcast, um, there's a couple of things that I want to talk about, about the scriptures first, and then I want to talk about um, some verses from the Bible and who we, we are, our nature to our Heavenly Father. Um, one of the things I love in, in the scriptures, the uh, New Testaments, we have Hebrews 13, chapter 13, verse 8, and it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So if Christ is the same, so the, he's the God of the Old Testament, he's the God of the New Testament. If he showed himself to people in the Old Testament, and he showed himself to people in the New Testament, why would he not be talking to us today? Especially, especially since all of the signs and wonders and things that he has prophesied are starting to happen and come to pass right now before our eyes in preparation for his return. So the answer is, he is. He still does. Um, we have the Holy Ghost here, which he sent. He talked to, to Peter about that, um, that when he was gone, he would send the Comforter. We have the Holy Ghost as we pray and ask our Heavenly Father to learn truths and to gain a testimony about things. Even if you're somebody hearing this and going, I don't even know if Christ is real. I don't even know if God lives. Are they even real? Well, you can, you can pray and ask them, and, and prayer is simple. Prayer is a very simple process of just having a conversation, a respectful conversation between you and your Father. And the way we do that is we will start out a prayer, our Heavenly Father, so addressing Him. We always uh, thank Him first for the things that we're grateful and thankful for. If you're somebody who really can't find a whole much in your life to be grateful for, um, tell him, you know, if that's where you're at and then ask him for those things that you need. So if you're wanting to know if he's real, if he exists, if he cares about you, if he knows about you, then ask him. If you want to know if the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is true, ask him. If you want to know if Christ really died and paid for your sins and my sins, ask him. He'll tell you. He'll answer you in a way that's unique to you. Some people, you know, you'll feel a burning in your chest. You'll feel an overwhelming calm or, or calm sensation. 
Some people will hear a voice in their head. Uh, the answer will be unique and specific to you. I'll share a testimony to you of, of a time when I was intently praying uh, and received uh, an answer, a couple of different experiences in, in my life. Um, but then we close those prayers in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. So we start by just our Heavenly Father. We thank ye and thank him for all the things we're grateful for. Ask him for the things that you need and then close in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. And just do that prayer, simple prayer, especially if you're trying to gain a testimony if they're even real and he will answer you. So God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now in Ezekiel 37 verses 16, um, it, it, this is Ezekiel had a vision. So God took Ezekiel and he took him to a place where he sees a whole land full of bones and they're dried bones. So they've been there for a long time. And God asks him to tell the bones to basically uh, assemble and, and regrow muscle and tissue and sinews and they do but they're not alive. They're bodies now, but they're not breathing. So then he tells them to take the, command the winds to come and, and breathe a life into them, and they, and they do. And he's kind of going through this process of seeing Israel resurrected, if you will, the, the people who believed in God. So anybody on this planet who gains a testimony in this life or the next, if they didn't have the opportunity here, everybody will get the chance. Not a single person will be left out. And when they accept Christ, they become children of Israel. They become adopted into God's um, household, if you will. They're always his children. They're his children, but when we accept Christ, when we become followers of Christ, we're adopted if we're not by birthright in this planet, say Israelites. Or even at the time of Christ, we're talking about the Jewish people. Um, he talked about the Jewish people, and then um, he talked about the Gentiles. Well, after he left, and Peter and, and James and John and all the apostles went and preached to the Gentiles, anybody who accepted Christ were converted and accepted into uh, the, the household, the, the, you know, the family of the Israelite family, if you will, uh, being adopted in, even though they were considered Gentiles previously. So as you see in this, then God says, Moreover, thou son of man, he's talking to Ezekiel, take thee one stick and write upon it for Judah. So the Jews, that's the Bible. And for the children of Israel, his companions. Then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph. This is Joseph of the coat of many colors we hear about in the Bible. The stick of Ephraim and for all of the house of Israel, his companions. So we have Judah and Joseph. Now in this vision that he saw, as it goes on, it talks about how they're separate and that they're going to be brought back together as one. And it talks about how these two sticks will be united and become one in God's hand. So the stick of Judah is the Bible, Old and New Testament. Some scholars have mistakenly thought that this was a revelation about the Old and the New Testament, and it's not. That is from the Jews, both of them. So Joseph, where is his book? What is his book? Well, we have uh, in these modern days, as we read the scriptures of Christ's time, we know that they crucified Christ. We know that they stoned or crucified or killed every single apostle with the exception of John, the beloved, who God, Christ, 
said that he would live on this earth until he comes back. So John the Beloved is still here. He's still on this planet doing the work that Christ has him to do, whatever that is. But he's still here. He's the only one they couldn't kill. That's why he was on the Isle of Patmos and wrote the book of Revelations, because they couldn't kill him. They tried, and they couldn't get it done. So they finally stuck him on an island where they could forget about him. Okay? And he was there and wrote Revelations. Well, fast forward now, because of all those apostles being killed and, and that priesthood authority being lost because of men's choices, not because God took it from them, but they literally killed everybody that had it. Um, you have the Dark Ages. Interesting that we call them the Dark Ages because they were dark. They were spiritually dark. There was a lot of really bad things that happened to people during this time. Now, there were some bright spots and people who sought out God. And, you know, Martin Luther is one of those. We have different people like that who uh, tried to bring the Bible to the masses. They, they lost their lives for this. We have, we have these people, but they still didn't have the authority to operate with the priesthood at that time. And God talks about it. John the Revelator wrote about it in Revelations, that there would be a falling away, an apostasy, and then there would be a restoration. So in these last days, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints distinguishes this church now from the church that Christ set up when he was here. The same church, just one was the one with Peter, James, and John, and the, and the, the membership then, and the membership now. We uh, testify that Peter, James, and John, as resurrected beings, came back, laid their hands on Joseph Smith's head, who was the first prophet in this last dispensation of time. We do not worship Joseph Smith any more than we worship Moses or Elijah or you know Enoch or Isaiah or Peter, James, and John, we don't worship them. They're apostles, they're prophets, they're people that we respect and revere their writings, teachings, and the things that they did. But they are just they are just a man, like you and I, doing the work that God asked them to do. So Joseph Smith was no different than them, although the priesthood authority was physically handed back to man at that time. John the Baptist came back, physically restored the the authority to baptize right now i know these are pretty audacious claims to people who may not be of our faith or may not know these things but this is what i love about individual spiritual revelation um, and, and being able to get your own confirmation so how do we know about the stick of joseph well god christ heavenly father and christ they knew that the bible would be um brought forth that evil rulers and kings would try and use it to manipulate and control people. And the one thing they didn't want is people to have too much hope or too much understanding of who they really are because then you can't really control them in the way they wanted to, to control them. When people know they're sons and daughters of God, that they are divine uh, children of our Heavenly Father, that they are equal to these kings and rulers, it it really takes an evil ruler and makes it hard to rule evilly, right? It makes it tough to do that. And so God knew that these men would try and take out plain and precious truths from the Bible to make it slanted towards their, their opinions. Now, we have Isaiah who wrote beautiful writings, but unless you have the Spirit, you don't understand them. So they've been untouched. 
Christ spoke in, in parables. <coughs> Excuse me. The parables, again, stories that these guys didn't understand. And so they, they remain largely untouched. And we know this because uh, in the, um, the Book of Mormon, this is where the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints got a nickname. Again, we don't worship Mormon or anybody named Mormon, but the Book of Mormon was named after the last prophet who was compiling them. Uh, all the records of these Nephite nation that lived here in the Americas from about uh, 600 years before Christ to about 400 years after his death. And their entirety of their, um, their history was compiled down into this book for our day. And, and God commanded, as you see here with Ezekiel, that this book of Joseph to be done, to put them together. He knew in the last days... You take the Bible, the Old and New Testament, you take his stick of Ju Joseph, which is the Book of Mormon, when you listen to the history and the lineage of the individuals over here, their direct lineage goes right back through Joseph. And their prophets talk about how God came and asked them to record the precious and plain prophecies and things that he gave to them, because he talked to people here just like he talked to people in Jerusalem. He talks to his followers everywhere on the Isles of the Sea. He talks about uh, talking to those people back, you know, when there's not world communication. Um, and they write down these prophecies. And the whole purpose of this was he knew that that civilization would eventually become corrupt and wicked. When it did, he commanded his prophets to take the records and to hide them so that they couldn't be destroyed by the wicked people that were left. And he would bring them forth in the last days to reestablish his total truth. So when you take the Bible and you take the Book of Mormon and you combine them together and you see the prophecies in the Bible and you see the ones in the Book of Mormon talking about the exact same prophecy, it makes it really difficult to interpret that any which way but the way it was meant to be. And as I read and study the scriptures, as I talk to people, theologians, people of other faiths, and I hear their confusion about certain scriptures or certain topics, and I'm like, why are you confused? It's a very simple, easy-to-understand prophecy, but then I realize it's easy to understand because when I read it in the Bible and I read it in the Book of Mormon, they establish each other like the voice of two or three witnesses. As God said, in the voice of two or three witnesses shall every truth be established. Well, you can't have two or three witnesses if you only have the Bible, right? It takes a second one. And that's where the Book of Mormon comes in, uh, and we have that. So in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we use the King James Version of the Bible, Old and New Testament. We use the Book of Mormon, which is a, another testament of Jesus Christ by the people that lived here in the Americas 600 years before Christ to 400 years after. In the Book of Mormon contains a little synopsis of another set of people that God brought here about the time of the Tower of Babel. And they lived independently, um, but eventually became wicked. And, and prophets prophesied their destructions if they didn't change. And, of course, they didn't change. And they literally killed themselves off to nothing, to, to the last person. And uh, we have their synopsis, synopsis because a lot of their writings were prophecies about the millennial reign of Christ. They were about our day and the second coming. And there were things that we weren't to have until that that time so they're they're sealed but so we have that comprised in the book of mormon 
We also have uh, two other books. We have one called The Doctrine and Covenants, which is modern revelation from the time of Joseph Smith forward. Anything that the prophets uh, prophesied or felt needed to be in the, in the Doctrine and Covenants, that's in there. So it's modern day scripture uh, for our time. It's the establishing of the church, how the church is to be ran, different things about our day and age uh, that really help us uh, have a lot of insight for how to navigate this crazy world we find ourselves in now. And the last one we have is what we call the Pearl of Great Price. It is um, papyrus scrolls that were purchased by the church in the early days from a man who was going around touring with these ancient items that he had gotten from uh, from you know the the Middle Eastern area. And as they translated, they realized they were the original writings of Abraham and the original writings of Moses. Um, and they're amazing when you go in there and read their original writings. Uh, and again, so somebody who doesn't believe in the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, you can say, oh, that's all hogwash. None of that matters. Or if you don't know about the church or know about these things, you might say, oh, no, it's just, it's just the Bible. Um, and again, I say, that's fine if that's how you believe, but also take the time to pray about it. There's a beautiful scripture in the Book of Mormon. It's Moroni 10.4. Uh, it's the, the very last individual to ever write any thoughts in the Book of Mormon. And in verse 4 of chapter 10, he says, And when you shall receive these things, I would exhort you that you would ask God, the Eternal Father, in the name of Christ, if these things are not true. And if you shall, if you shall ask with a sincere heart, with real intent... Having faith in Christ, he will manifest the truth of it unto you by the power of the Holy Ghost. And by the power of the Holy Ghost, you may know the truth of all things. That's a pretty huge promise right there. That's what I love about it. This is not a religion of coercion. It's ask. And you'll you'll see. I, I told you I would tell you a little personal testimony I had. Uh, I went on a mission. I grew up as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I always believed it. I had little testimonies throughout my life of things that, that showed me it was true. And I went on a mission to the South where there's a ton of religion. And I was teaching a young man. And he's, you know, in his early 20s and teaching him the gospel principles. He really felt the spirit there. He's like, I want to get baptized. He goes, but if I get baptized, my family literally will disown me. They will never speak to me ever again. I, I will basically be divorcing my, my mother and father and, and siblings. So he looked me right in the eyes and he said, Elder Kempton, is this the only way? In other words, is this church true? What you're teaching true? Because we're teaching it is the only church with the priesthood authority to act in the name of God. And I looked at him back in the eyes and I go, you know, I've never asked that question before. I never had to. And I said, let me, let me do some soul searching on that one. It kind of shocked me a little bit. Uh, because I had, you know, I'm not going to just say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's the only way. I never had asked that question before in that way. And so I, I went for three months fasting and praying every other day. And by the way, fasting and prayer is an amazing way to get answers and to couple Heavenly Father's help into your life, regardless of who you are and what your religious beliefs are. Fasting and prayer, so abstaining from food and drink, for 24 hours how we do it and praying for a specific answers or help uh, is a, a great way to couple the powers of heaven in your life. So I did this, but I did this every other day for basically three months. Um, 
I wasn't able to fast a full 24 hours on a mission. I just the physical, you know, demands and everything. But I did the best I could. And at the end of the three months of, uh, you know, the answer did not come easy and quick on this one. It took a while. Uh, but we were invited to go to a church, uh, not of our faith. And unlike the South, which has a lot of choirs and, and noise and music and drums and bands and things and a lot of, of their religious sermons, this was a very quiet church. And the pastor was talking about faith out of the Bible, just a basic discussion on faith. And the spirit was there. And I, I knew the things he was saying were true um, as, as I read it through the scriptures. And I was just sitting there pondering what he was talking about with faith. And I, I went back to that thought I had in my mind before. And I picked up the Book of Mormon, was looking at it with the Bible. And I had the sweetest, most peaceful calm feeling wash over my body head to toe and a voice in my head that said as beautiful as this sermon is and as true as this sermon is without the truths taught in the book of mormon which is my book of scripture they are incomplete in other words the book of mormon is just as true as is the bible they are a companion. It is the stick of Joseph and the stick of Judah. They are my scriptures and they are meant to be one. That testimony burns so deep into my soul that I have never, ever from that day to this day questioned my knowledge and testimony of the divinity of my Savior the divinity of the gospel of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, or my knowledge that there is a living prophet and 12 apostles chosen by our Heavenly Father for us, His children, in this day and age to help us overcome this world like the Savior did and be triumphant. I went back to that young man and I was able to say confidently, with calmness and with power and authority, yes, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the church of Jesus Christ, Lord of Saints, is true. It is the only way. He said, I know. He goes, I just wanted to know if you knew and, and confirm that. And he was baptized. So it's interesting how the Lord works in our lives as we do this. Now, um, part of what I want to talk about here is with modern prophets and apostles, there's things that Heavenly Father can reveal to us. So we have not altered the King James Version of the Bible. However, there are several scriptures, handful I should say, where the original writings or the way they originally were written from God, he asked Joseph Smith to amend, and he did, and it's contained in the back of our Bibles in what they call the Joseph Smith Translation. So in other words, you have the original Bible written exactly the way it is, in every King James Version. And then we have a few verses in scriptures where God wanted to clarify. And let me show you one of those and see if you can see, like I can see, why this is significant. So John 1, chap John 1, chapter, uh, excuse me, John 1, and this is verses 4 through 7. It says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's verse 4. In the Joseph Smith translation, it changes, In him was the gospel, and the gospel was the life, and the life was the light of men. In that one verse, we see 
that in Christ was the gospel, that the gospel is our life. That's what provides our life, right? It's knowledge. It's key. It's, it's, it's what we live and breathe on to understand the eternal perspective of our Heavenly Father. And that the life, in other words, the gospel, is the light of men. We are the purpose. The gospel and the life are combined for us, to, for men. We are the purpose, the end result. Verse 5, And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. The verse 5 that's been translated or corrected. And the light shineth in the world, and the world perceiveth it not. Can you see that happening in today's world? That light is shining and the world doesn't understand it. It's mocked. It's laughed at. It's trivialized. It's mocked in movies, TVs, plays, genres, and our daily lives. Verse 6 stays the same for both. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Same one is, is in the translation. Then verse 7 the same came for, for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Verse 7 in the, in the amended. The same came into the world for a witness to bear witness of the light, to bear record of the gospel through the Son unto all that through him men might believe. When we read that and we see how Heavenly Father's put back his words that were taken away, right? Because it's a very different verse in verse 4. In him was the gospel, and the gospel was the life, and the life was the light of men. Versus the way that individuals translated it, in him was life, so in Christ is life, and the life was the light of men. It changes quite a bit how significant we as sons and daughters are to our Heavenly Father. We are the purpose. Okay, the, the world was created for us. Um, we, we read that in the scriptures, we read that in the Bible, right? It is my work and my glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of men. God's purpose is us. We, we are that important. He loves us that much. Let me take you on a little journey real quick as we wrap this one up Christ lived his life for us everything he did was for us now at the very end he fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights no human being can do that without dying so he went beyond the the, the mortal limits of men he did it again when he suffered in the garden of Gethsemane where drops of blood came from every single pore and in medical uh, scenarios where people experience pain to the degree that blood vessels burst and they bleed from a pore or two, they generally die. That's how much pain it is. He bled from every pore. Nobody can comprehend the level of pain and suffering that he went through. Um, in fact, in the Doctrine and Covenants, in a revelation from Christ, um, he references, and it's the only time I know that he references, he said, which suffering caused even I, God, the greatest of all, to tremble because of pain. He referenced that. And he doesn't reference that for pity. He just references it for us to understand and comprehend 
the level of sacrifice and love that he had for us. So he went through that pain. Then he goes into Caiaphas. He gets sent to Pontius Pilate. He gets whipped and beaten and mocked and then drags across the streets. Then he gets nailed to a cross with spikes through his hands and through his wrists and his feet. Now, when Romans crucified people, it generally was 100% without clothing on. It was meant to be the most degrading possible. So he very likely might have been in that exact same scenario, in front of his mother, in front of Mary, who he loved, in front of his disciples. This would have been the, the, the feast. This would have been when all of the Jewish people were coming through and passed uh, Golgotha. This is when they would be passing this crucifixion. And on top of his cross is a placard from the Roman government declaring him to be the actual king of the Jews. When the Roman government declared it, it made it law. So now imagine the political strife in our world today and how charged people are. So imagine that time and these devout people coming through, looking up and saying, oh, that's your king. And they're, that's not my king. So imagine the vile swear words, the stones, the sticks, the horrible hatred that was poured out towards him while he hung there in agony and pain in front of the most precious people to him on this earth. And at any time, any time he could have stopped it, could have stopped their suffering, could have stopped their pain, could have stopped all of it. But he didn't because he loved them and us more than himself and his own desire to stop the pain and hurt of his loved ones. Imagine the person who sacrificed their whole life for other people, knowing that what they're going through is causing pain and hurt to his own mother and Mary and his friends. Imagine feeling that and, and knowing that he could stop it and wanting to stop it, but knowing that he needed to finish his mission because he loved you and I and them more than he loved himself. He had so much love in his eyes and so much compassion that a battle-hardened centurion standing by him who sees death on a regular basis would be numb. And he said, surely this must have been the Son of Man. What touched his heart? What did he see? Two thieves hung on the cross. One understood that he was the Savior, the other didn't. Another teaching moment for us. Two men in the same circumstance, seeing exactly and experiencing the exact same things. But one of them said, please remember me. And Christ said, you'll be with me in paradise. And the other one was focused and fixated on his own plight and missed the whole opportunity. What does that teach us? What, what can we learn from that piece of that crucifixion? So understand in this world that as a daughter and as a son of God, you matter, infinitely matter. You are his purpose. You are not an afterthought. You are not a second thought. You are not a footstool. You are not a pet project. You are not something here to amuse. This world exists for you. Everything God does is for you and me. He loves us. He encourages us. He begs us. He pleads for us. He constantly, I love the poem. I'll finish with this on this, this segment. 
I love the poem where it talks about the young man going to run a track meet and his dad's in the audience and he's so excited because he has a really good opportunity chance to win this race. And he starts out running and in his excitement and his exuberance to, to win and set a pace and, he, and he's focused on all that stuff, he gets his feet tripped up and he falls and goes down. And he's thinking, oh man, I just messed up. And as he falls down, he looks up in the crowd and he sees his dad and his dad gets up and he sees his dad say, get up and win the race. And he's like, okay, okay, I'll get up. Then he gets up and he's in the back of the pack and he's running and he's passing people and he's getting back up to the front. He's giving all he's got and boom, he goes down again. And, you know, maybe you can recover from one fall, but two. And as he falls and looks up in the stands, just dejected, he sees his dad stand up and again with just tears in his eyes, he's like, get up. Get up and win the race. And he's like, I can't win the race. All right, I, I, I don't know how. He gets up and he starts running and he starts catching the back of the pack and he falls a third time. And he's like, it's, it's just, it's hopeless. It's done. I'm, I'm embarrassed. This is, I'm, what do I do? And he looks at the stand and again, he sees his dad with just all that same encouragement and hope, tears in his eyes, says, get up, son, and win the race. And he gets up and he's like, there's no way I can win it, but all right, dad, I'll do it all. I can give it all I can. And he runs as fast as he can. And the first place finisher runs across the finish line. And there's cheers and second and third. And the field crosses the line. And as this young man came around to the finish line, beyond dead last, but given it all he had, the stadium erupted five times louder than they did for the person who won the race. And the kid was just shocked as, his, as he hears this roar in this crowd. And what we understand with this being a, a, um, a little portal, a little microcosm of our lives, it doesn't matter if we are the first one to cross the line or the last one to cross the line in our Heavenly Father's mind. What matters is did we get up every time we fell? Did we get up to try and win the race? Do we keep getting up every single time or do we stay down and listen to the adversary and give up? Do we turn inward and get angry? Do we try and measure our lives based on the first place finisher or other people around us on social media? Do we listen to all of the calamities and noise of the world as to try and assemble ourselves into an order of ranking? Put all that out of your minds and your hearts and your souls and just get up and win the race. Get up and move forward. What can you do tomorrow to get up and take a step forward? What do you do to help somebody else get up and take a step forward and win the race? What do you do in life to get up and win the race? Remember, on the other side, you have a Heavenly Father with hope, enthusiasm, optimism, tears of joy in his eyes, rooting for you every single day of your life. And even when you fall, I think most people picture God as shaking his head and going, oh my gosh, not again. That's what we do. That's not what he does. It's not what he does. He looks at us and he's sad for the pain that we are experiencing he's sad for the choices maybe we've made because he knows the pain it's going to inflict but all we see from him is hope all we see from him is love all we see from him is joy 
all we will feel from him is happiness. I'm going to have a guest on that's going to talk about an experience he had recently where uh, he had a vision and he had an experience where he interacted and, and had some very touching moments uh, for the first time in this young man's life. And he'll share some of those things with you. So with this podcast, again, if you like this content, if you um, feel like there's people out there that can benefit from this, please share with your family and friends, other people and individuals. Let's create a community of people who love and support each other, who helps uh, us tear down the walls of oppression and depression and anxiety and misery that Satan's loving to heap upon us. Let's shatter that. Let's break that. Let's bring a community of people together who wake up and realize who they are and what they are, making stronger fathers and mothers and dads and friends and family members, brothers and sisters. So I can't wait to see where this goes. Thank you for tuning in. This is Light the World podcast number two. Tune in for podcast number three. And again, thanks for being here with us today. Put your comments let me know what you love, uh, things that you have, topics, ideas, thoughts, your contributions are greatly welcomed. Again, thanks for tuning in to Light the World podcast.